Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So we're going to start our little Christmas, our holiday movies. I don't know if this is really a holiday movie, but there are toys in it, I think. Uh, I'm talking Puppet Master 10, and they made more of these. And this is Axis Rising. And for it, man, that, this movie is uh, me and Jamie are about to record our review. And uh, it's going to be something. <laughs> but for it, uh, no matter what, I was so happy to interview uh, actor and comedian and former basketball journalist in, in Eastern Europe, uh, Martin Harris. Uh, man, Martin, uh, I connected with Martin. He had the same manager as like Stuart Penkin and Peter Jason. So he reached out to me and said, hey, would you want to talk to Martin? And I looked at his IMDb and it was just interesting the different types of films that he worked on. And he worked in that jail scene on the most recent season of uh, Stranger Things. So we talked about that and really how he had to be so hush-hush on the filming of that. And then also just his journey to America. You know, he grew up in Eastern Europe. He traveled around. Then at one point he became, he was a basketball uh, journalist. And then he would come over to the States, go to the all-star game. He went to Madison square garden, met Kobe. And then after that, you're like, Oh, it just goes right in acting, right? Nope. He goes to LA works at the comedy store is doing a Friday night show, doing stand up for years, setting it up, all the big name comedians we talked about, like Mark Marin, Joey Coco Diaz, so many different people. It was a fun chat. The only thing I didn't like is he's an Atlanta Hawks fan, which I don't like being a Knicks fan. But uh, yeah, Martin was great, man. So before I start the interview, do me a favor, wherever you're listening, please subscribe. Uh, follow us on all social media, at sequels only. And also on YouTube. Uh, on our page, we have our YouTube. We're really trying to get to a thousand followers. It just gives us the abilities to do a little bit more on our YouTube, and uh, and we can monetize. I'm not going to lie, and uh, that would really help us out in growing our sequel army even uh, even further. So yeah, if you could do that, that'd be awesome. And of course, share with friends and enemies. But uh, yeah, without further ado, here is actor, again comedian, sometimes. Uh, Basketball journalist, Martin Harris. Awesome, man. So how are you doing tonight? Not bad at all. Uh, what, what happened? Uh, went to went shopping a little bit, you know, because I had to use my uh, gift card I got from Bloomingdale. So I went, I went some, did some shopping. And tomorrow I'm doing some voiceover work, you know. So that was Sweet. the only day where I, was, where I was able to fit in a few shopping hours. That's cool, man. No, I, I just, I, whenever I do research for people, I like looking down, up and down the IMDb and then watch a few things. I've seen a few things, obviously, who hasn't seen Stranger Things? So again, there's some of the, all, all the other different things you do, which I think is pretty neat, especially, you know, obviously you love acting, but the other parts of it, I can't wait to pick your brain about. But so your journey to Hollywood is pretty interesting. So you grew up, how long were you in Poland? So I was born in Poland. I spent... Uh big part of my childhood in Germany, first East Germany, then, then Germany period, because it was after 1989. So, yeah. so, so my high school years were actually, some of it was, was Germany, Germany, Tübingen, in Germany. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. Cause my father is a professor of history of arts. So he specializes in like 
Martin Luther uh, era, Marx, and that took him to Germany for extended amount of time here and there. Yeah. So what age while you're in Germany, what got you into acting? It's a it's a strange a strange complicated story to be quite honest with you. Okay. Uh, first, uh, first of all, I thought I'm gonna be just like my father, a professor of history, you know, because that that was what I all I was doing my entire like early childhood reading historical books and biographies, and and especially I loved battles. I loved like the military stuff, like big battles, yeah. Middle Ages, ancient battles, stuff like that. Obviously, I have my views have changed. Uh, I, I don't I don't like wars anymore. Yeah, know? yeah. As a kid, you look at it, it's like, oh, we play plastic soldiers. It's fun. Yes, exactly. It's a little bit different when you grow up. But uh, but yeah, but then I then I kind of, uh, somebody gave me a, a record. It was Pink Floyd, The Dark Side of the Moon when I was Oof. 12. Nice. And since that point, music became my like obsession. And I forgot about the history part. And I, I all I wanted to do was I wanted to, to have a band. I wanted to play play music. And I did that. And then the band ceased to exist when I was like 18 years old and I didn't know what to do. So I went into, so first I was writing about music, then I started writing about sports and it became a career suddenly. Uh, and, and I was doing that until I was 30 and came here. You're writing sports? What were you writing? Like soccer? Like soccer coverage? You know, like soccer, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I would say I was, uh, I was a specialist in NBA basketball. So oh, then nice. United States several times early. And that's how I met Kobe Bryant when I was 18, you know, at the All-Star Weekend in, in New York. Went to a few more events like that, NBA Finals 2000, All-Star Weekend 2001. And, and yeah, and, and it started, started being known for that mainly, yeah. That's amazing. So NBA, because uh, basketball, people don't know this, I don't think. My buddy played in, in the States and he was – he wasn't good enough to go into the NBA, but he was good enough to play overseas. And all these countries, they have pretty good fans, like in those different leagues in Europe or South America. So obviously it's not on the level of the NBA, but the basketball is everywhere. It is everywhere. Poland is a very soccer country. I would say Germany has, it's also a soccer country, but a, yeah. basketball, a little higher level. But I'll tell you what, when I started working as a, as a sports writer in 1998, I actually not only went to see Kobe Bryant versus Michael Jordan in New York, but also went to an All-Star weekend in Poland, you know, which was, you know, it's completely two different levels, right? Here is super professional, here kind of bunch of bunch of basketball lovers trying to put something that is in the mo- in, in the mode of what they're doing, you know, what we're doing here in the, with the NBA. So it was like a little bit more amateurish, but still. The, the event happened in the southern Poland and there were a bunch of American players, but you know, because at the time it was like a, a boom for basketball in Poland. So uh, there, there were a bunch of American players uh, participating in that All-Star Weekend, including one guy who played in for the Lakers for one season. There were like a couple of guys who had like beat parts and different NBA teams for a few seasons. And That's we awesome. started partying together. Yeah. And we started partying together and we went <laughs> to a local disco and it was like in a very old school eastern part of Poland, very conservative, and and we started having fun, and they started having fun, and all the girls, the local girls, started chasing those guys. And guess what <laughs> happened? There were like uh, 40, 50 local guys who came, and and uh, 
with some racial abuses. They, they, they gave those guys a pretty bad beating. And Jesus. the night ended up at the police station. Then, then it was a big deal. It was a big, uh, it was a big uh, situation that happened out of it. And, and I was a witness. Like a, a, lot of, a lot of guys didn't want to be the witness. But I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to be the witness. You know, I'm going to tell the truth. And the guy gets sentenced to prison, you know, one of those main, I would say, aggressors, you know. So yeah. I went from seeing my first All-Star Weekend and, and seeing Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant to seeing like more the darker side of sports that sometimes it brings, you know. And and, uh, and both experiences were, were important, I think. No, no, that's true. So from So you're doing all that. And then at what age did like acting, when did you think about doing that? So I was 29 and the biggest Polish publishing company offered me a contract for their new product. They were coming up with a new newspaper. So I left the job. I was with the biggest sports uh, newspaper, which was sending me all over the world. I was, you know, I was pretty much a reporter. And I, I was wow. specializing in like doing the in-depth stories. So, so like a writer, right? But they offer me a very good deal. I, I just bought my apartment and I needed to, to fix it, you know? So I, I, took, I took a better deal. And the problem is that after four months of this new project, they decided to abandon it. And, and you know, like they gave everybody six months in advance and sent us all home pretty much. And because for like 10 years I was, I was doing this, I was, a, I was a reporter, I was flying all over the world. I was pushing, I was uh, working extremely hard every day, sometimes in a different city, different country. I, I just decided, you know what, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna take a vacation, a longer vacation. And on my way out from this publishing company, I saw they had a collection of 25 best movies of all time. So I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy like a home cinema setup. Because it was like, I got paid six months in advance. Yeah. I'm going to watch some movies. You know, I've never done it before. So I'm going to do it. I will have fun. I will finally have time to do that. And then I started watching, I think, Goodfellas. <laughs> uh, the Empire of the Sun was there. I think, um, what else? I think Casino was there. And I fell in love with it. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And I'm like, you know what? I, As a sports writer, I don't think there's much left I can do. I think I pretty much accomplished everything I wanted in, the, in that specific job. And I don't think it's that much of a passion to do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I was looking for something, you know, and I was thinking maybe I'll just be a screenwriter. And you know how you think when you don't know the business, when you don't have any experience, you think, you, you think, oh, I'm just going to be a screenwriter. I'm just going to write <laughs> in Hollywood, you know? So, so that was my first idea. Then I went to LA in 2000 and seven 2006 first i think yeah that's the same year and i went to see a play with a friend of mine she took me to a play where al pacino was the lead actor and the lead actress was unknown at the time jessica chastain it was Salomon. oh okay wow and i'm like this is great maybe i should take some acting classes so i can be a better writer and uh, and then i came decided to come to Los Angeles. I was, it was pretty clear to me that's what I want to do. But it still took quite a lot, quite a bit of time to get to the level where I decided this is the only thing I want to do. Yeah. Do you knew somebody that lived here or they came with you? I mean, oh. I met people, but it's not oh, okay. like new, new people. I, I just, you know, met some people. 
That's awesome. So your first, so you're taking the acting classes to be a screenwriter. Obviously you caught the acting bug, it seems. And uh, what was the first thing you did? The first thing on your IMDb is like Angels and Demons and then Sneeze, a short film that you worked on? Yeah, it was a short film. I'm not going to yeah. tell you. I'm not going to tell you how I got it. Uh, <laughs> the short film, it's actually kind of a funny story, but it's, uh, it's an appropriate story. Because okay. I was at the party <clears throat> and uh, when a girl found out that I'm Polish, she asked me to say something inappropriate in Polish so she can repeat it to her boyfriend. And she happened to be a producer and her boyfriend happened to be a Polish director at UCLA. And they were doing this short film. And because we started having a, a conversation, she's like, you know what? He can actually use it for the, for the film. And, and they hired me for the film. And I had one line, it was in a gym where I was uh, lifting some weights and a guy's asking me to, hey, can you pass those, like, those weights? And I'm like, yeah, sure, man, sure. <laughs> so that was, that was everything I did. <laughs> but you know what? That one experience you get, the, like, to have that win early on, even though you had no, to say something appropriate. You know, even oh, though it's man, that, it was method acting. I was in the yeah. gym for a week before that. <laughs> yeah, no. And then right after that, so that's 2008. And then again, it's all about just getting the experience and getting your foot in the door and working on a movie, whether it be yeah. guy at bar or anything. The the fact yeah, that you're yeah. in Angels and Demons, like a big movie, yeah. and you had a role in that movie, that's awesome. Yeah, but there was a non-speaking role. I was like, listen, yeah. the, my first couple of years, I was uh, going for classes and getting as much experience as I can. Yeah, I was very yeah. reserved about, you know, not to get into bad habits not to get into bad mindset i was trying to learn as much as i can i knew that i'm behind because i started in my 30s i haven't acted before i had some probably bad habits from being a broadcaster from being a tv host you know so i needed to switch my uh, way of looking at the camera and being in front of the camera so i was just trying to learn as much as possible and and i knew that once i will be ready i will be ready you know yeah. and and it, it took a while for me to be comfortable with the fact where I decided this is my career and now I'm ready to pursue it full time. And, uh, and for me, the transitional job was when I started doing stand-up comedy and I got my own show at the Comedy Store for three what? So hosting the show and producing the show, which That's was awesome. extremely stressful, but it, teach me, it taught me a lot. That's great. Did, Did you ever have anybody scout you there like for acting? Did you ever get any roles? Yeah, 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 I did. I did. I, you know, one of the first jobs I actually played myself in a documentary that that ended up winning a lot of awards. It was. It's called "Where Have You Gone, Louis DiMaggio." It's about a comedian that comes. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, so it's it's about a comedian that tries to come back after like thirty years, and the the cast of this documentary is pretty pretty amazing because they have Larry David, I believe, Larry David, Jeff Garland, Howie Mandel, Jay Behar few more people and me, you know, I play, yeah. I play a guy who brings him back. I offer him thoughts at the comedy store, which I did. And he did my shows. I actually did bring him back. It's all real. <laughs> and yeah, so stuff like that. And then one manager was coming to a lot of my shows because I was invited. I was like blasting all agencies and management companies, you know, hey, yeah, I have a show. Come, come over, you know, we have special guests because I, I had a lot of special guests. I had uh, like half of my show were up and comers like myself and half of the show I was trying to get stars. So I was running after Joe Rogan every time he parked the car at the, the lot of the comedy. So I'm like, Joe, Joe, come, please. You know, if you can do 10 minutes. Mark Merrill was sick of me at some point. But you know what? Oh, I like, love Mark. 
he still likes me, I think, because, you know, he did actually a bunch of those shows. Great guy. What an amazing, amazing oh, guy. Yeah. One of my favorites of all time. And, and I actually went to, you know, I left Comedy Store in 2017 where I decided I'm just going to do full-time acting. But I went to visit my old friends. You know, uh, one of them is now the general manager of the, of the Comedy Store. I, I think like two months ago I went there. People, people, people uh, gave me a very warm welcome. The people were extremely nice to me, you know, and I, I always feel like it's my, it's my second home in LA. Yeah. So what made you start want to do comedy? Did you go there and say, you know what, I'll give this a no. shot or? So, so here's where it started. I was doing a workshop, uh, actor's workshop with Judith uh, Weston. So that was first was Stella Adler. Then it was okay. Playhouse. And then I went to study with Judith Weston. That was like my fourth year of studying. And I told myself, because like in Europe, like in Poland or Germany, if you go to, uh, to do a program for like a theater school, it's, it's four years. So I told myself, okay, I haven't done that, but I'm going to do four years of study before yeah. I really see where I am as an actor, you know? So that was my fourth year. And she said, you're very, very talented, but I think you should try to do some comedy because, you know, you have you can do those tense characters, military guys, bad guys, but if you start doing comedy, that will make you more versatile as, yeah. a, as an actor. So I signed up for a few shows and they were extremely, extremely poorly organized, you know? They were so bad that, and I had to invite my friends to get the spot. And, and those friends, you know, felt bad for me, you know? Because, yeah. They were sitting there, you know, watching a bunch of really bad, bad, bad eyes doing this for me because they wanted to see me. Yeah. So I, so I said to myself, you know what? I can actually probably organize a better show, put up together a better show, and perform on it. What I didn't know though, how stressful it is, because then if you have a good show, everybody wants to be in it, and people will contact you, people will call you, people will text you, people, you know constantly be on you to to put them in the show which i understand yeah but after like three years i'm like you know what i i got what i wanted from it you know I'm, I'm ready now i have a manager i have an agent i got my first credits i'm i'm auditioning now it's time to really go for it and, and when i left the, the comedy store people couldn't believe it people like why are you doing this you know you have friday spot at the biggest comedy club in the world but i knew that this was just uh a way this was just a i would say a transitional period of time in my life from my previous life to what i'm doing right now it was a perfect transition it served me very very well but this is what i really want to do so what was your first like acting role even while you're still like at the store that you felt like this is like what i want to do like because you said like obviously you had like the background parts or you played like the Nazi soldier and like uh, yeah, just, or... just small roles, yeah. The, yeah, those were, but those were just small, small films, more, more yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were just smaller films. Um, The Last Ship, I did the that was my first TV role, and it oh, was nice. a and I was so shocked that I got that part back in 2014, I believe. I was so shocked I got that part. And at the time, I, I still wasn't a citizen yet. I was just a resident. So I had a green card. That I started looking for my green card at home, and I, I, I've lost it somewhere. And I, I started being paranoid, and because I had to bring it next day to set, you know. And I'm like, they're not gonna let me. 
this is my opportunity. It's my chance, and and I'm, I'm I I would blow you know I blown it because I uh, I I cannot find my green card. You know, like <laughs> this is this is you know, and I started being really really stressed out. So, but at the same time, whenever I'm stressed out, I think fast. So, what I need to do? What I need to do? Okay, here's the immigration center in downtown. My call time is one p.m. I have to go to this immigration center at 7 a.m. So I went there at 7 a.m. I think, no, I think my call time was actually 11 a.m. So 7 a.m. I'm in downtown. And I'm like, hey, guys, can you put the stamp in my passport that I'm saying that I'm a resident? I need it because I lost my green card. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, you have to wait in line. You have to, you know, apply apply um, uh, electronically for that. You have to apply online. <laughs> I'm like, how, when, how long would I have to wait? And they're like, oh, three months, maybe. I'm like, oh. no, I need it today. I need it today. And I started begging them, begging. I went on my knees, like, I'm begging them. And you know what? They, they did put the stamp in my wow. passport, like around, I think, 9.30. My location was in San, in San Pedro. We worked on a famous battleship. I think it was uh, Iowa. And I took, I took the taxi i would took taxi from from downtown to san pedro and i i was there just on time but wow. people don't know how much i went through yeah you could sleep at night i was you know in downtown to get that to get a stamp in my passport but you know what i did the i did the part uh it's still it's still looks great i was there for 12 days and i played wow. one of the i played like the henchman to the main villain in the storyline so i got killed by one of the leads on the show rona mitra well, that's so great. People are like, Hey, so Martin, how was your morning? And you're just like, yeah, it was good. Like, and just think yeah, about how right. the craziness you went through. And you know, what's the craziest part that actually that day we had to film like three scenes for the, for the next 11 days. I had an hour here, hour there, yeah. but this day I was on set for, I think 18 hours <laughs> after not sleeping previous night and all that stress. I'm set for 18 hours. <laughs> that's unreal. It's so funny when you mentioned like, so you left the store 2017, you said? 2017, yeah. So that's like when it all kind of changed for you because right around that time is when you got Days of Our Lives. Did you get that first or yeah. did you yeah, leave yeah, the yeah. store? Yeah, no, no. Then I got it first and I, I got that. I got uh, Scorpion and I nice. believe that was a good show. in Puerto Rico with, with Martin Freeman. And that led, led me to, to make a final decision that this is it, you know? Yeah. After, after that happened, I'm like, you know, I need to, I need to focus on acting and I'm only want to do that. And then I left the store and, and then, then I didn't work for a year. <laughs> but you know what? I was on a bunch of events, life, life of an actor. I was like on 12 events and I, and I couldn't book anything. But, uh, but that year after that, I booked a lot. So this is, it's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And then all around that time too, is that what I wanted to ask you about was like, the other work that you did, not just like in front of the screen, like, so you have a lot of credits that are obviously ADR and voice talent, and then also like consultant. So yeah. what did you, what did you consult on for like, you have Scream, uh, my daughter loves Paw Patrol. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you about that. So what, what kind of like consulting work did you do on that? You know, when, whenever I have time, whenever it works time-wise, because like last year acting, obviously uh, I've been acting a lot. I had like 14 or 15, you know, major wow. jobs as an actor. Um, but whenever there is time, whenever there is place for that, I um, they use me as a linguist. Oh, cool. Whenever they need to. So uh, I often do that. I, I speak eight different languages. So, so really? I'm, 
Uh, yeah, so I give I give a lot of options, you know, like if they need, let's say someone, they need to check something or, you know, Polish, Czech or German or Russian or Ukrainian, I can do that, you know, so Serbian, Croatian. I've, I've spoken so many different languages in, in my roles that it became, of my, you know, one of my strengths. Yeah. And this is also part of it. So, so sometimes, you know, they ask my opinion, you know, like, what would you say in that language? What makes sense? You're like, how would you say this or that? You know, like what's appropriate in, for that situation to say? And, or sometimes it's just in the post-production process when they just show me uh, what's done and they ask me, you know, well, what kind of subtitles they need to put in. Wow. How did that start? Were you on a movie set or did you know somebody or? Well, somebody asked for my help one day on, I think it was on X-Men Apocalypse and it just, then it's a word of mouth. <laughs> Same with, with most of voiceover work, although some, some I got from my agent. Wow. So did you learn all languages like growing up? Was you, did your dad speak a lot of languages? Yeah. I mean, German and Polish, of course, those were my, my main yeah. languages growing up, but then Russian, I still had it in school. I'm like of the last generation that still had Russian in school before uh, communism ended. Uh, yeah. I, I lived 11 years of my life in communism. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I still remember that. I still remember there's nothing at source except of vodka and uh, oil. So uh, I, I still remember those, those, those days, you know? That's wild. And that's why East Germany for me was almost like, even if it was still like quasi-communist, country but whenever i was spending my time in east berlin and i was in east germany it was a huge difference between poland and east germany in terms of food like we they didn't we didn't have chocolate in poland they had chocolate in eastern germany uh, we didn't have coca-cola in poland but they had their own coca-cola called cola club in, yeah. in germany they had uh, yeah they had a lot of stuff that we didn't have so crazy when you really think about it like all these things that ever happened in our history Really yeah. not that long ago. It's, yeah. it's it's really crazy when you really think about it. Even yeah, like thinking back to the world wars and everything. Yeah, my grandpa just... is 101. My grandpa is 101 and he wow. remembers he was, oh my he, God. was uh, he was 18 to 23, I think, during the World War II, or something like that, 17 to 23. And he was in German prison in Nazi prison. And he's he's still in fantastic shape, and wow. sometimes we talk about it, you know. Yeah. Wow, 101 guy. I'd sign up for that right now. 101. 101, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> I went I went to I went to visit my family for Christmas last year and I oh, he nice. drank under the table, my grandpa. He can drink. Yeah. Like he he's he's bringing second second bottle from uh from the kitchen and I'm like, da 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 da. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done, grandpa, please. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so then you did a lot of uh so like working with netflix i've never i've interviewed a lot of people i don't think i've ever interviewed somebody that worked on like those netflix uh films so mm -hmm. I, I think the first one you worked on might be red notice or or i don't know which well, film yeah. first red yeah, notice yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah. that was like a huge budget that movie had yeah. i don't know i don't know if it all went to the actors or if it was into everything that was involved but uh is there any difference like working with them versus like working with any other type of studio? I don't know if there is a difference per se. No. I would say I have a good working relationship with Netflix. I appreciate that. I, yeah. They even invited me to some event a, a week ago and because I, I believe it, because I'm in a bunch of recognizable Netflix shows and films, they, 
uh, they were like extra nice to me and they gave me some some uh, some little rewards uh, which was nice cool um red notice was fun yeah they had a huge budget for to the point that for the first week they didn't even use me i was on set the whole weekend you know they were paying me a lot of money for not doing anything <laughs> but uh but also they brought me once it was a day actually before a day before the pandemic started officially so so they brought me for the second time to atlanta of course those are sag rules you know you fly first class and you have a driver and everything and uh just to have a different angle of my scene that they en- didn't end up even using you know in, a, in, a, in the final in the final cut so i i flew there for one day I remember I stayed one night in a hotel. It was March 14th, 2020. And then uh, my friends started telling me that, you know, there is nothing at stores in LA anymore, and especially there's no toilet paper. Yeah. So before I left, all I did, I, I packed two rolls of uh, toilet paper for my hotel room in Atlanta. And it actually, and I used it for first three months of pandemic. I bet. So you yeah. got home just in time. Yeah, just in time, just in oh time. Oh my God. And I remember I was- also like, we were the long hours on set were also because uh, Dwayne would like to uh, take breaks to go to his like private gym. He had like yeah. a like a private gym in his in his uh, trailer, so he would take breaks for like two hours and just to work out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, stays in shape that way. That's that's why he looks oh, yeah, like I mean, that. He's, he's in unbelievable shape. Unbelievable shape. Um, really, really. That's crazy. You were on set on the 14th. So funny. We were just, uh, we just had a son back in July and there was like on this shelf in one of the rooms, it was like on the top and I grabbed it and on there it had the date of everything. It was like no more. It was like an old uh, notice that they had up in the, in the hospital that said like no more than two people in a room. It was like March 14th was the date on there. And it's so crazy. Like it's so long ago but really it seems like yesterday like how crazy everything was like you said your friends texted you and said hey all there's nothing in the stores it was like that in jersey too that's where i'm at it was insane oh cool so you have a lot of polish people in jersey yeah there's a lot of polish people in jersey yeah i know that jersey's really Uh, everything everybody comes to jersey i guess because it's right by new york but they're like my high school was so culturally diverse it was like mm-hmm. the most culturally diverse, like in the United States, like my graduation, graduating class, it was like so many different people, like different walks of life from all over the world. That's why I love New Jersey. And LA is the same way. You get all these different types of people. Actually, a bunch of people moved from LA to Jersey that I, that I know. I'm, uh, one of the comedians, uh, what's his name? Uh, very famous comic moved to New Jersey last year. Uh, Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. Oh, yeah. Okay. He just interviewed uh, Vic D. Potato uh, oh. on his podcast. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Joey Diaz. That's great. <laughs> so cool. It's so cool that you did that, that you have that other part that you did that for so many years. But no, so like, uh, so Stranger Things, like when Charles reached out to me, it's so your face, you just remember from those scenes because those are like some of the coolest scenes in that series, like in the prison. What was it like, like working with, like a CGI monster, did they have anything in place? Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, it, was it was a tall guy, actually. Um, we were there for two months on set. Uh, wow. I mean, in Atlanta. For the first two weeks was, uh, it was a quarantine, paid quarantine in a hotel uh, as part of this sacral at the time. So the middle of, it was in the middle of pandemic. 
Yeah. So two weeks of uh, that. Then we had a rehearsal for the fight scenes. And that was the first time we saw the guy. He was a tall guy. Uh, he had a, like a ping pong ball at the top of his, of his head just to make, you know, to give the reference how tall he really is. Yeah. Uh, and there were a bunch of stunt guys who were mirroring our movement and jumping in the final part of it. Like, let's say the, it, the killing scene, right? The, the fight scene at the very end where we were three of us prisoners die, four of us. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Six of us in the, in the prison story, only two survive, which is Dimitri played by Tom Blaschka and, and Hopper played by, of course, David Harbour. So out of us, the, 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 the prisoners, six, four die in this, in this battle. And uh, yeah, and the, the, the final part of that battle was, was the stunt guys, but everything else was us. Yeah. yeah, it's so cool the way they do that because I talk to people when they do like, when they don't do that and you can tell when the CGI is not done the right way with plans, like when they just basically like put something in when the actors don't know, like for the reference point, and you could tell that it doesn't look good, but no, that's so cool. Too much. No, everything is real. Like every movement we did, we actually did it. Sometimes yeah. we use our imagination, you know, like the reaction, because obviously you've seen the show, uh, the Demogorgon comes out and jumps over and kills the first guy. So, they, you know, the Duffer brothers directed that, that the whole uh, episode and, and the, this whole sequence. So they would tell you exactly what they want from in the moment. Like they'll tell me, hey, show more despair, show more panic. Yeah. You are the, you are, you suddenly become like a coward. You suddenly become scared, you know, so play into that and react to the guy. Because I'm the third one being killed out yeah. of us four. The first guy is being killed who is like in front of me, then the guy next to me, then me, and then Oleg is being killed later. So, so they want me to react first to this guy. They want me to react to that guy. And then obviously, I'm, you know, the Demogorgon is with his back towards me and I'm trying to take a swing. And then he takes a swing and he takes me and hits, hits, hits me to the top of, uh, of the curb, uh, <laughs> which they, by the way, they didn't plan. That there was a part of it that, that fell off. When, when, they, when the Demogorgon is hitting me and, you know, killing me. That wasn't planned, but they kept it in the, in the final, in the final oh, cut. Wow. It looked cool, you know, it looked cool. How long until afterwards did they have a screening? Or did you, when, did, when did you get to see what it actually looked like all put together? When it came out, there was no screening. Listen, awesome. everything was, uh, that, was the only, that was the only job where I wasn't allowed to even say I'm on it. Because, uh, for example... I'm also in the next season of Marvelous Miss Maisel. I cannot oh, talk about it. I cannot talk about it. You yeah. know, who I'm playing and what's the story. But I can tell you that I'm on it, you know? Cool. But with Stranger Things, I wasn't even able to say that. I wasn't even able to say that I'm on, uh, on Stranger Things. I couldn't put, it was in my contract, couldn't put uh, a, a credit on my resume that I'm on Stranger Things until it comes up. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're, getting, you... we're getting script. We weren't getting, I never got the full script. We're getting only pages of what we're actually shooting a night before it was on the link, non-downloadable link. I couldn't download it. Yeah. And, and it was for every actor or every, every person, you know, who was part of the production. It was a separate link. So you know, very, very, very secretive. That's cool. Yeah, it's good that they and I that cause, yeah. Cause spoilers. And then it's not, it, then it's ruined yeah. when it gets out there. 
because it has such a huge following, they didn't know anything to any spoilers, any story that they, they didn't want, because they knew that people will be hunting for those. And whoever yeah. has the information, he, it has a lot of power, it has a lot of uh, meaning, you know? So they were yeah. very, very protected and didn't want to take any chances. And I 100% understand why. Seeing the reaction from people, you know, because nothing like that. I've, I've been part of some, some big, big, big shows or big films, but the reaction and hearing from people I haven't seen in 34, you know, 30, 35 years from all over the world after Stranger Things came out, you know, you, then you realize, you understand how huge this show is. Yeah. How huge this show is. No, it's insane that you have a show that is X amount of hours, like for the seasons. I think it was like, maybe like 12 hours or 13 hours, all those episodes. And people would just set aside like, like that Friday, like when it came out, I did the same thing and watched all of them back to back. Did you film Maisel in New York or was that out in LA? In New York, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Now I knew I know a few people that auditioned for that. That's great, man. That's such a great show. Yeah, it is. It is an incredible show. I mean, an amazing cast, but very great actors. I mean, I, I was lucky in the last two years, three years that the jobs that I got were with really amazing, incredible actors, like top, 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 top of top of the world. You know. Yeah, Amsterdam. Amsterdam coming out Absolutely. soon. The staircase with Colin Firth and you know, yeah. it's better call Saul, a gray man. You know, it's. It, I would say every production, every single it's one. Remarkable. Yeah. So what do you have coming up? Because obviously you have a lot of things that are in post, and I'm sure a lot of things that you're signed on for. As you mentioned, Amsterdam is out now, and yeah. um, and I I went to the premiere in New York uh, nice. two weeks ago, and it was a great experience. Then I went to the LA kind of semi-premiere it wasn't an official premiere official premiere was in new york it was it was kind of a premiere la premiere so i went to both and i I've, I've seen the movie twice and just like i thought it's uh it's very very interesting it's a yeah. very interesting film it it has a lot of humor it has a it's a has a like kind of heartwarming message a very important message in my opinion and a lot of people involved with the film it it uh, it's one of those films, and somebody said that, I was listening to some podcast and somebody said that it's one of those films that some people might not get right away, but in like maybe a few years, it will become one of those movies everybody talks about, you know, like one of yeah. those films that people like to come back to. And it's like, oh, this actually makes perfect sense. Nice. Now I'm excited for it. So one question, you've done so much in your life. And I, I just can't get ah. over the, the comedy part of it. But uh, mm-hmm. have you gone up since then? Have you done stand up? No, yes, no but, but I want to. I, want, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Yeah. yeah. It was just, you know, the pandemic changed everything because I was. Oh, no, I'm to. sure. But I never kind of got back to comedy after since the pandemic. And uh, I most, mostly it was because I was getting paranoid of, uh, about catching COVID and losing jobs and losing gigs. And and I finally it did happen. I did get COVID. In I did too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh. so now oh. I'm not worried as much anymore. Yeah. Now that'd be cool, man. Martin, this has been great, man. I loved, uh, yeah. Cause I would never have known uh, just by looking at some of these IMDb or seeing them in a show, you don't know, mm-hmm. obviously that you worked uh, covering the NBA for all those years. Yeah. I wrote two books. For the NBA. Yeah. Really? Oh, I got to check them out. But they're, but they're only, they're only in Europe though. But, but yeah. Oh, okay. I'm a Knicks fan, so I've suffered my whole life. Well, except when I was younger, like they were good. 90s, they were good when I was like, that was like. I was six. there. That's where I started. 
1998, uh, uh, when I went to the All-Star I, uh, that was 99, but 98, when I, the first time I went to United States, I was actually staying in New York for a month and living in, a, in my friend's apartment in Queens. And so, I was going to Knicks games. They still had John Starks. They had Patrick Ewing. They had Charles Oakley. Oh, yeah. Those are had, good teams then. Yeah. Then they had Larry Johnson, I think, Alan Houston. Yep. Spreewell. Uh, uh, Charlie Ward. Yeah. They had Ward, Kurt, Kurt Thomas. Chris Childs. Yep. Yep. Chris Kurt Dunn. Thomas's birthday is today. Kurt Thomas. Uh, his birthday is today. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. So, so are you a Laker fan or are you a Clipper fan? I'm a Hawks fan. Oh, no. oh okay. Nice. Yeah, I'm a Hawks fan. Yeah. I used to, I, I used to be a Rockets fan growing up. Uh, really? Okay. I was a Kobe fan. So I was a Lakers fan, but mainly Kobe fan more than the Lakers fan. Yeah. And uh, because he was kind of a mentor to me, you know, and, and, and that was a very important relationship for me. Yeah. No, I bet. Jeez, man. Nice meeting you, man. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And let's hopefully the Knicks will be better this year. Oh, please, God. They won the preseason game today. I checked the result. They, they oh, I was I, I was checking the first half, and uh, Brunson's looking good. So that that was what uh, they needed a point guard. They haven't had a point guard in. You no, know, you know what? I, when when I was uh, young reporter going to the Knicks games, his dad was playing for the Knicks. Yeah, his dad. His dad was playing for the Knicks. And then his dad worked for Thibodeau. He was on Tibbs's bench uh, for years. So yeah, no, he has like, and his and his dad's working for the Knicks again. They hired him before they signed the son. You make the playoffs this year. I promise you that. You okay. make the playoffs, or you're gonna lose to my Hawks in the first. Oh, round. don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night. All right. Take care. Man, wasn't Martin great? His stories about, like, obviously working on Stranger Things, and. You know, the other roles he had over the years, but I loved that he was headlining and doing a show at the comedy store on Friday nights. And just like he said, he would like hawk to see eyes like a hawk seeing the comedians park. He'd be like, Hey, Mark Maron, can you do a set? Can you do five minutes? And uh, just fascinating that he did that there and working on Stranger Things and how long it actually took to film that jail scene and the fact that during quarantine he was living in a hotel in Atlanta and just like there for months to film what was a super involved scene and you know the demagogue was just a a man with like a a stick on his head so they could get the eye level right but yeah Martin was great so yeah so your homework and I know Jamie's dreading this homework but he already did it because, like I said, we're going to record this review in a few minutes. Uh, Puppet Master 10, it's free on Tubi. I can't believe it's free. I'd pay nothing for this movie. But, uh, yeah, so watch it. There's going to be a lot to talk about. I have a lot of questions about not even this movie, but how there were nine before. And there's one thing that happens in this movie that, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was dying inside. So you'll hear it. But the only way you're going to hear it is make sure you review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only, and don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night. Good night, guys.